These are days of tough times and ongoing uncertainties. But in Spring Branch, we're taking tangible steps to help our local businesses by telling neighbors about PPP loans, linking them to online courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours. Find out more at sbmd.org. In Spring Branch, we speak more than 145 different languages, and that diversity translates into a thriving economy. Our district's a melting pot. It's a great place to find the staff you need. Spring Branch is working for business. Yours. Find out more at spmd.org. Hi, and welcome to Looped In. This is the Houston Chronicle podcast all about real estate. The dirt, the deals, the people, the places, it's all here. I'm Rebecca Schutz, real estate reporter with the Houston Chronicle, and I'm here today with Nancy. Hi, Nancy. Hi, Rebecca. How's it going? Oh, it's it's going good. How's Canada? <laughs> well, let's see. It's cold. It was 19 degrees this morning. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's kind of a rare sunny winter day right now. Awesome. I'm liking the sunshine. It's much needed uh, mental boost. Well, another boost, the moment we've all been waiting for, <laughs> the loopies. The loopies. 2020. Yes. The fourth annual, fifth annual loopy awards. I don't know, man. It's been a while. <laughs> been a long time. Every year we celebrate by recognizing the best and worst of Houston real estate. This year there was a lot to choose from. The pandemic and the need to socially distance has shaped the way we interact, which has shaped the spaces we interact in. Home sales and renovations boomed, but also, you know, there was a lot of uncertainty and a lot of hotels, retailers have been floundering. So as we're looking back on 2020, we asked all of you your thoughts on what stood out and the people have spoken. Yes, they have. First off, we have one of my favorite categories. The most controversial controversy. We asked our society writer, Amber Elliott, to present the winners. You might know her from her yearly roundup of Houston's most fascinating and controversial. Okay, y'all, drum roll, please. For the most controversial controversy this year between the first and second place winners, and it was very, very close. Coming in first place was the National Association of Realtors' new social media policy, and right behind it, the attempted merger between John Doherty and Douglas Elliman. In case you've forgotten how either or both of those shook out, John Doherty, who's the founder of John Doherty Realtors from way back when, like in the 1960s, started planning a merger with Douglas Elliman who is a hot New York property firm that has some like 120 brokerages firms across the country. They planned this gigantic merger that essentially ended in a bunch of very dramatic Bravo-esque lawsuits. So the reason I included both of the key players, John Doherty and Jacob Sudoff, who is now head of Elements Branch in Texas, on this year's list of most fascinating Houstonians is because it's as though we all woke up and no one could stop talking about this merger gone wrong. I mean, top agents were poached seemingly overnight. Amber Laura Sweeney is like one of the top performing agents and literally overnight she jumped from Doherty to I think Compass poached her in the middle of like this massive exchange. There were all these rumors about the perks that 
Doherty wanted in the merger about country clubs and bankruptcy and valet and laundry services. And it just felt as though almost the king of Houston real estate fell overnight. Like the king is dead, long live the king, meaning the new incoming king is this element team. So that's why we felt as though the most fascinating list would not be complete without including, you know, both of those who really shook up the Houston real estate scene this year. But in the number one slot, the most controversial controversy is the National Association of Realtors' decision in November to ban members from posting discriminatory remarks on social media. I don't know how many of y'all remember this, but in May, shortly after George Floyd died and there were protests all across the country, including here in Houston, a local real estate agent posted on Facebook I think that Black people bring out the worst in us, which launched a firestorm of debate here in our city because, as a lot of you guys know, real estate agents aren't allowed to discriminate in practice. And so many felt uncomfortable by the fact that some of the same real estate agents were going online to express their views about protests, peaceful or not, or just how they feel about different races and cultures, essentially. So you remember that, Nancy. Oh, yes. And the the lawsuits that she mentioned are still very much active and they're still fighting over money. And it was a a, a huge story last year in in Houston's real estate market. Yeah. Besides causing the National Association of Realtors to ban discriminatory social media posts, the discussions led to another change. All led to one of my favorite changes, the shift from calling the master bedroom the master bedroom to now the primary bedroom. Well, what do you think of that, Rebecca? Well, it was interesting because there are all these really real issues going on. And uh, it was sort of a battle. I didn't realize people were fighting. It was sort of announced like, oh, this is a victory. We've changed this language. It sort of reminded me like during the feminist revolution, they decided to stop naming hurricanes solely after women. And they started naming them after women and men. And I was like, oh, you know, when I learned about that, I was like, oh, that was a battle. I guess I'm glad that that was changed. Mm -hmm. The runner-ups were Al Hartman's handling of masks in the workplace. That was a story that got a lot of attention because while some were sort of bristling at places of work requiring masks, this was a situation where some people felt very uncomfortable because the workplace really did not want masks. And in fourth place was the proposal to turn Sharpstown from a civic association into an HOA, which means from voluntary dues to mandatory dues. So Rebecca, our next category is buzziest buzzword. This is always one of my favorite categories because I love pointing out ridiculous buzzwords that become so very popular. Sometimes they're not ridiculous. Sometimes they're just jargony, or sometimes they're just words that are pretty common, but get overused in certain instances related to certain events. So to reveal the winner of buzziest buzzword during this unprecedented time of uncertainty, we have Mizana Rahman, an editor at The Chronicle, who is most likely working from home right now. But if not, then he is in the office, which has been de-densified. Amidst the pandemic last year, we reached numerous grim milestones 
that have ushered in a new normal during these challenging times where everything was unprecedented. So it should be no surprise that the winner or loser, depending on your persuasion, of the buzziest buzzword category in the annual Loopy Awards was unprecedented. It is essential to understand going forward in this time of COVID why everything was unprecedented. For one, it sort of was. Many of us worked from home for the first time as we quarantined or socially distanced while we doom scroll through this dumpster fire of a year. It's probably why the most searched word on Google last year was why as in why is toilet paper sold out? Or why is everyone talking about caring? Why do you have to wash your mask? Why is Quibi shutting down? Of course, unprecedented was the buzziest buzzword when so much of our daily doings happened on Zoom, including even criminal court proceedings, like the man who appeared before a Houston judge on felony possession of a firearm charge using a profile image of himself holding an AR-15. Things were so unprecedented in our lockdowns that we held dorky virtual happy hours while we yearned for the simpler days of early 2020 when we obsessed over Mexit. We learned a lot last year, and not all by remote. We learned what PPE stood for, we figured out pods, we flattened the curve, only to unflatten it through things like super spreader events we honored frontline workers. We voted by mail in the millions. That was really unprecedented. But the thing we did in such great numbers last year that made it unprecedented, and frankly, something we should have always been doing because our mothers told us to when we were kids, is what I'm doing right now. Wash your hands. So, Rebecca, this will be the year to maybe retire the word unprecedented. I hope unprecedented is retired, although it seems like we needed it a little bit in January as well. But hopefully come February, it will be done. No more unprecedented news for us. Yeah, I think you just jinxed us. Oh, God. (laughs) No. The next category is trendiest development trend. This is always fun because... It usually has to do with kind of the styles of the homes that were built over the past year. Or like trends in the office place. It really seems like sometimes there's something that everyone gets behind and starts hyping. And when you look at it at scale, it it seems kind of random. Yeah, exactly. Like wasn't last year, wasn't biophilia one one of the words? This year, it was a little bit more, more in response to the world. Exactly. Very much in response to the pandemic. All right. So let's hear what the winner is. Hi, this is Diane Cowan, the architecture and home design writer at the Houston Chronicle. And I'm here today to announce the Loopy Awards Trendiest Development Trend winner. Contenders in this category were swimming pools, the home office, plexiglass partitions, and touchless devices. The winner is the home office. Congratulations, home office. It's just an enormous trend this year. Many homes had home offices that probably didn't get used very much. They always looked great, had pretty desks, maybe some nice paint or paneling. But all of a sudden, we're all working from home permanently or a whole lot more than we used to. And we've amped up our home offices or created them 
out of other rooms that were not getting used much. So it is just a category that has exploded in home building and home design. Congratulations to the home office. I love that she congratulates the home office as, as if it's <laughs> like, a, um, like a being. I know. My home office is my dining room. And mm. the holidays, it was super sad. You know, you want to have like a holiday meal and half the table is the home office. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the world today. And in second place was plexiglass partitions, which really which, exploded. Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I, I sort of can't imagine a world without them now. Really? Yeah. Oh, man. I do. Yeah. I mean, we, we went to uh, a meeting the other day here in Toronto and they were they were all over the office and we had to sit down across the desk from another person and it was just very functional and it had a little opening at the bottom. So, you know, you could slide back and forth what whatever you needed. It just makes the so, world feel like the bank. Exactly. Like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and third place was touchless, fill in the blank. Right. Um, touchless things are having a moment. And then swimming pools. That was really big this summer. I yeah, that got was huge. some kiddie pools and really loved them. So. Yeah. And I think those bigger sort of above ground pools were yes. were sold out immediately. It was like yes. bicycles. You couldn't, you couldn't find one a couple months into the pandemic. I think at a certain point, even kiddie pools were selling out. But yeah. I got in on it early, so... I had a, I had more than one kiddie pool so that I could do a socially distanced kiddie pool thing if I wanted, but ended up never doing that because, you know, pandemic. Our next award is a more serious one. We usually award the saddest demise to a historical building or just a building that a lot of people loved that is torn down. But this year, so many favorite restaurants, coffee shops, and bars closed their doors that we repurposed the category. We've asked our food critic, Alison Cook, to present the winner. I was not surprised that Luby's was the winner in your saddest demise category. I've never been a Luby's person myself. I've got to admit, my dearest friend in Houston, Mimi Swartz, wrote a piece for Texas Monthly bemoaning the loss of Luby's, in which she kind of took my name in vain saying that 30 years ago she had tried to entice me to go with her, saying the foods were really good, it's good, I swear it's good, and that I had looked at her with this a mixture of tolerance, pity, and what was the other one? It wasn't mild revulsion, but it was something like that. <laughs> Massive self-control. I was wounded because... I'm not against Luby's. I think it's a great institution, and I, I totally get why people love it. There's something eternal about it, and that menu, you know, with the Luann platter, the roast chicken, and the corn, and the spinach, and comfort food like mashed potatoes and gravy, and Mimi always said this is the stuff she would never have made at home. I mean, she's not going to mash potatoes. But there you could get it, and it would just envelop you in that lovely, soft cloud of, of, of floof. She also said Luby's was loved because it was family-friendly and because it was democratic. 
you would see rich people from River Oaks and you'd see bus drivers and cops. You'd see everybody. Really, that's the kind of a loss in a community that that, that is felt. Runners-up included Barry's Pizza, Bernie's Burger Bus, and Morningstar, among others. I'm going to miss Morningstar Coffee Shop with those amazing donuts. I can't believe that that's gone and that maybe I'll, I won't get to eat those donuts again because I am the world's biggest donut snob, and those were really good. And Bernie's Burger Bus, those burgers almost always had the sploosh of juices that I look for in meat and that not everybody has. And I just have such fond memories of when Justin Turner started from his school bus truck and made the most incredible French fries and then those great burgers. I just think, how can that not, I hope you'll come back, but how can that not be there anymore? She does an amazing job of describing food. She really does. And also like the loss, you know, having something that you thought you could go back to time and time again. Right. And how Luby's was really a place for everyone. Everyone loved something about it. Yeah. I hope with the vaccine that some of these places people will, I don't know. The lesson from 2020 is don't try to predict the future, right? So yeah, I'll I'll leave the possibility open that maybe there's a chance. Yeah. Maybe. And so speaking of this category, Saddest Demise, I just got a tweet from Dwight Silverman from the Chronicle saying, quick, someone get N. Sarnoff on the case. It's a retweet from a reporter in Toronto who said, Betty's Bar, for many years the main haunt of Toronto Sun staff, and more lately, Globe folks, will soon be old news. It looks like this place, Betty's Bar, is getting torn down for condos. It it's not saying that it closed because of the pandemic, but I I would um, imagine that might have had something to do with it. Or if yeah. if that wasn't the case, certainly it's the case for many other retail institutions. I mean, just walking around the city in the in the few days that I've been out of quarantine, there are just so many for lease signs on the storefronts and Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty sad. But then it's also really interesting to see how some of the places have pivoted, which probably should have been a buzziest buzzword this year, but um I'll just go on off on a tangent for a second. This place we were looking forward to taking our daughter to, a place called the Poop Cafe. That <laughs> is actually a place where they serve like sweets and desserts and things like that in like little in toilet bowls porcelain toilet dishes oh my gosh they had that in taiwan really (laughs) yeah it it was like soups and ice creams (laughs) yeah i think it's very similar for napkins they would use toilet (gasps) paper oh yes i'm sure they did the same thing wow yeah well hopefully they'll see them through yeah i hope so and the poop cafe will be back (laughs) all right rebecca what's the next category The next award goes to the biggest work-from-home perk, a new category. To speak on it, we invited our transportation writer, Doug Begley. The loopy for biggest work-from-home perk with 44% of the vote is less time commuting. As the COVID pandemic continued, 
and people stayed home and worked home offices or just in their living rooms, traffic dipped significantly around the region, some cases hitting about 40% below what would be normal along the freeways even more. You take a lot of people off the freeway and everything moves a little faster. So 20-minute trips would become 10-minute trips. As a result, you didn't have that 10 minutes added or 40 minutes added or half hour, whatever, added to your trip. You had that time in the morning. You had that time in the evening. Could go for a bike ride. Could take a walk. Could spend some more time with your kids. As a result, people learned how to use that to their benefit and not necessarily their boss's benefit when it came to that extra time. That has been a nice perk. I've had more time in the mornings. I remember when the pandemic started, um, we were like, oh, what are we going to do with all of our extra time, you know? And I can get up and garden in the mornings, which I never did before. Mm. Before it was just try to make breakfast before I ran out the door. Yeah, it saved a lot of time for sure. And I, I was able to have dinner with my family every night instead of, you know, driving home in the... Fighting all that traffic. In the traffic with the blinding sunset in my eyes. Yeah, and all that merging onto 610. All those lanes, all, the, all that merging, <laughs> yeah. all that rage. Yeah. Yeah, that's been nice. So the first two runners up were more time with pets and more time with family. More time with pets came in with twice the votes for more time with family. Uh, <laughs> I'll leave that for you guys to interpret. And in last place with 13% of the vote, kitchen access for the lunch and snacks, which is something I've appreciated. Yeah, for sure. But people love their pets, I guess, yeah. way more than they love their... <laughs> or, or maybe more people have pets. Maybe maybe a lot of single people. I don't know. I think our audience are big pet lovers. I, yeah, I think that's a takeaway. So here's to pets. Here's the pets. And not commuting. For our last category, we are going to end on a positive note. This category was created specifically for this crazy year. Brightest glimmer of hope besides the vaccine. And to present the winner, we invited Paul Takahashi, who appeared on the show when he was our retail reporter. He now covers energy for the Chronicle. Let's hear what he has to say. And the loopy for brightest glimmer of hope goes to low mortgage rates. So my wife and I, we refinanced our mortgage last spring, going from a 30-year term to a 20-year term. And because we got the lower rate, we're paying about the same monthly payment, but are lopping off six years and saving more than 80 grand in interest. That was definitely a high point of an otherwise terrible year. I love the enthusiasm. Man, I need to refinance. Didn't you just buy your house? I know, but I bought it at 3.5%. Ooh. I know, but there's a lot of fees involved. But I do think I, I should at least shop around because rates, I think, are now at 2.65, the average for a 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. Whenever I look at the Chronicles website, I always see a story from you saying <laughs> another record, another low. Oh my it's God. Yeah. It feels like, I don't know. It feels like I'm writing like a, almost an old story, but it truly is falling to like an all time record. It's done it more than a dozen times this past year. Do you feel like prices are going up, which I guess if you're refinancing, it's not that big of a deal, but if you're mm. buying a house because rates are so low, um, there might be, you know, more demand and, and prices might be going up because of that. 
So then in the end, you really get that saving. There's so much demand you've written about, like all the bidding wars and stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, That wasn't something people foresaw going into the recession, but people are spending so much time at home. And there's really been a dichotomy of who's been impacted Mm. by the pandemic. It, It does seem like some people have been impacted hugely financially and some people haven't. And enough people haven't that there's been demand for homes that are driving prices up. Yeah, I've seen some analyses. I think um, I think Freddie Mac said that home prices are rising enough so that people actually aren't saving that much, even with the lower mortgage rates. It's really helping people who want to refinance because not only can you get a lower rate, but also if you had to have mortgage insurance on your home, maybe your home has appreciated or you've paid enough off that you no longer have to pay that insurance. Oh, okay. The rule of thumb is... If you've paid less than 20% down, you need to get private mortgage insurance, which is a monthly payment. So that payment can disappear if a combination of the price appreciation and what you've paid down already mean that you've put down more than 20% on your home. The runner-ups in the category were escapes to nature that got 28% of the vote. 11% of the vote went to empty commercial space repurposed into housing. 9% went to road trips, and there were a couple write-ins, freedom and vacation homes. Vacation homes. (laughs) That was a good one. That also shows the dichotomy of how people weathered the pandemic, right? Right, right. Remember before I left Houston, I wrote that story on Galveston and how, how so many people were buying vacation homes there to quarantine in and people were discovering Galveston for the first time and were like, hey, we need to have a house up here. Or down yeah. here, rather. <laughs> <laughs> Over here. <laughs> and freedom is an interesting write-in. I guess you could see that in a bunch of different ways. Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder what exactly it meant. To me, yeah. the vaccine sort of represents freedom. Maybe. Yeah, maybe they mean freedom sort of the way like Doug was talking about. We have a little bit more time. We're at our house. We can do like more things. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And if we're working from home, theoretically, we have more autonomy. Yeah. Freedom to run to the kitchen to get a snack or mm-hmm. go and throw throw a ball to Fido. <laughs> and that's it for the Loopies. Congratulations to all of the winners. Non-winners? <laughs> Congratulations to all of our winners and all of our non-winners, all of our runner-ups. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in and for voting. If you're interested in seeing the full results or the stories that we've done on some of these trends, you can go to houstonchronicle.com slash looped in. A special thanks to all of our presenters, Amber Elliott, Mazana Rahman, Diane Cowan, Allison Cook, Doug Begley, and Paul Takahashi. And of course, Nancy Sarnoff. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who voted. Thank you to our editors, Jonathan Diamond and Rob Gavin. Thank you to Farrell Gibbs and his band, All the Komodos, for our theme music. And thank you to Scott Kingsley for editing this podcast. If you want to share an idea or just say hi, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter. I'm at R-A Shoots, which is S-C-H-U-E-T-Z, and Nancy's at... I am at N Sarnoff. Till next time. Bye.